0: Listener production.
1: Okay, are you recording?
2: G'day, welcome along to episode 36 of the Howie Games, coming to you today from beautiful Tasmania. This week's episode revolves around a man who has led an unbelievable sporting life, a VFL footballer, a World Cup-winning cricketer who used to light up the MCG with his massive tonks. It'll be six, it be 6
1: too. Simon O'Donnell smashing
2: his second six of the innings. Back. And if that's not enough, and it's plenty, Simon O'Donnell was very, very, very nearly a Melbourne Cup-winning owner. Along the way, Simon also had a serious battle with cancer. Now, if you're under 30, listen to this episode, but maybe also get your mum and dad to listen to it because I reckon it'll make them laugh, smile, look at each other, nod their heads and say things like... I remember those days.
1: They could help out if they try, try, try. If they would try, try, try They've got to
2: try, try, try Simon grew up in a time when country kids played sport with adults, testing their mettle against grown men and women and being taken to the pub after the game. A time of lamington, ice vovos, at tea, circle work at footy training, screaming coaches, magnificent mullets and fierce competition where you belted blokes on the field and had a drink with them off field. As you'll hear, the man they call Scuba is a very, very funny cat. He had me in stitches frequently during this episode. The best way I can describe it is it's like a sportsman's night journey through Syme's life. Enjoy the laughs.
1: So when you search and then you find And know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know mystery. What is to be revealed in King Selassie? Come on, children, trod with me. We want to reach Mount Zionist.
2: Welcome to the Howie Games, a man that uh, I've followed for a long time, and I'll explain why, Simon O'Donnell. Simon, great to see you, and thanks for coming in for a chat.
0: This is all new to me, so please be kind. (laughs)
2: Well, I've just explained to you what a podcast is. (laughs) I showed you the purple button on your iPhone. Be fair to say you're not quite across the technology just yet.
0: No, well, the uh, the grey hair and the 15 kilos (laughs) um, since the good old days is probably – explanation enough to say that I'm not across
2: the podcast. Mate, I was just explaining to you the theory behind it, and it's great for me to get to chat with people that I've grown up following or I've met through work, and I was just saying to you that I had a a debate with a mate last week that I went to school at the grammar school in Sale, and we went one day to see Sri Lanka play Victoria.
0: Why didn't you go to the Catholic College in Sale? The Moorish Brothers? Yes, I'm not Catholic. We would have let you in. No, we were you right the summer and the winter game. We <laughs> yeah, would have slid you right. in on a scholarship well, and Sh- made sure that we knocked over the proddies.
2: Stuie Anderson. Anderson was at the Catholic College. He went on to play for the Kangaroos and he also played cricket for Victoria, um, which is mm. similar to what you've done. But I, we went along to see Sri Lanka play Victoria. Um, and you, I reckon you were captain of the Vicks and I'd never seen anyone bat like Aravinda De Silva. But I remember seeing you stride out in, in, your, in your blue Victorian cap and away you went. And I. You know, I've I've always followed your career, so it's great to sit down yeah. and have a chat with you. All those days ago in Sale, well,
0: I remember that game for two reasons. Yeah. one, the Sale Jail was still open in those it days, was. and we actually did a sportsman's night in the Sale Jail. <laughs> in the
2: jail, in the
0: jail, right? We went in to the clientele. Us, went in to the clientele. <laughs> right? We didn't re- we didn't understand completely who the clientele were, other than they were criminals. Yeah, I, I
2: know exactly. As who they time were. went
0: on. Mm. Um, they were clientele that weren't allowed into the mainstream system of prisons. Absolutely, they and weren't. we went into a sportsman's night. Right. Um, there were a funny-looking bunch of people. There was eyes and yeah ears and <laughs> nasals <laughs> passages going everywhere because I think they'd done it pretty hard in the system prior to getting
2: By, well, down we, to
0: Sale. We used to drive
2: past that very prison on the school bus from Tarago to Sale every day. Mm. Yeah, and that was so that's the first reason you remember. What was the second reason?
0: Second reason was um, we we were getting upset in the game, and it's probably what alerted me to be able to uh, say to you, yes, I was part of that game because it was a long time ago. Mm. Uh, um, around Ranatunga was the captain of Sri Lanka. Yep, and feisty. For every break at lunch, and at tea, they'd come. They'd be three and four minutes late. Right. Yes, it was you know, sort of a nothing game for them. They were here for an international tour. They were playing a state team. We were down in regional Victoria, but we took very seriously because we you know, were hopefully showcasing to um, unearth a couple of youngsters from the Gippsland area to come and play cricket. And we started to get a bit agitated <laughs> and having a chat to a junior, and he loved to chat. He is a feisty, As you said, he's a feisty character. Yeah. And he slipped over at one stage, and he was a touch on the weighty side.
2: He <laughs> was a big unit.
0: And you know, he kept holding his wrist. So we were talking to him about his, his pain threshold, and you know he wouldn't hold the handle of the bat, and we said, you know, it was a cherry ripe, I bet you'd be holding it, you know, you wouldn't be letting it go. And <laughs> off we went, having a bit of friendly banner out in the middle, which at times got quite heated and a little personal. And then the next morning... He actually came to the ground with his arm in a sling and plaster. <laughs> so he it was it was he, was, he was actually quite a tough one, right because he went out, he was batting with a broken wrist. And you are telling him he's soft. He's soft as butter <laughs> and any danger of hanging on to the handle of the bat and getting on with it.
2: Well, I, I remember it clearly because as a country kid, you didn't see top-line sport and mm. obviously school gave us the day off and all of a sudden there was you and there was Peter McIntyre and these guys and Arjuna, uh, but the one that stood out to me, this little guy, Came out that we didn't know in a little white helmet, and as it turned out, it was Aravinda de Silva, and he just was playing front foot sweeps off the quicks over square leg for six, and we'd never seen anything like it. So you said you were taking it to the country. It's amazing that impression mm. that can have. I, I sadly didn't become that cricketer you were looking for to come
0: down out of the country, but I'd like to be. That's the whole idea of it. Yeah, the whole idea. Of it, it, but whether that ignites the passion for cricket yeah. or just your sport, and yep. playing it at the best level, uh, you know, Aravinda de Silva. He was one of those – he was very easy to dislike, Aravinda, particularly when you're a medium pace bowler with a lack of ability that I was.
2: <laughs> Maybe it was you. I was trying to be kind. Maybe it was you that he was oh, sweeping I, I, over no squarely. Oh,
0: <laughs> because He was one of those batsmen that – he's like a left-footer in school footy, that he never gets tackled. Aravinda just had – it was as if you were bowling in slow motion. Right. And as you bowled to him, you could see where he was going to hit you. And you felt like yelling out to the guys in school, but look out, it's coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> you just seemed to have that much time. And I remember a young Sachin Tendulkar when Victoria played India in banella one year. Same thing. You thought, wow. How old would he have been? Sachin, I think, was either 15 or 16. Really? At, at that, that time, and, and I was getting towards the end, so it, which adds up about right, and I think it adds up about right with, the. I reckon, Sale might have been a year or two prior. Yeah, probably would have been. To when we played against India. Um, so, Aravinda would have been possibly 17 or 18. Yeah. But just one of those kids you looked and thought, oh, hang on, you know, these guys can bowl, but he's just treating them with disdain. And, uh, you know, the, his career probably spelled out exactly what we saw.
2: And was Tindulka something special at that oh, stage? Yeah. Was
0: he? Yeah. Again, just one of those... You were playing in slow motion. You were bowling as fast as you possibly could, and he was he was playing in the park and sort of smiling at you as he played a cover drive, thinking, oh, "I'm already there for that." And, and he's sixteen. Out. He would
2: have been tiny. Oh, as well. tiny! Absolutely, had big pads absolutely
0: on. tiny. Yeah, big pads on. <laughs> used to wear pads exactly like, um and I never understood why he wore them. Sonny Lugavaska. I and did. he was a, he was a short ass. Yeah. But he had these pads, and the, the boys used to ricochet 10 and 15 metres off it. And I used to think, why, why do I wear those pads? <laughs> you know, bat pad, boom, it's going to mid-wicket. You don't even need a bat pad. Yeah. So, my, boys, just stay at mid-wicket and square leg, catch them there. But then Sachin did the same thing. He had the same pair of pads. I don't forget, it's Sonny Gavaska. Right. Uh, well, irony is, well, I don't think he wore them for much longer, and he probably learnt that geez, I keep getting yeah. you know, you know, inside edge onto my pads. But... Um, those two little shorter guys are two of the best batsmen the world's ever seen. Yeah, what a treat to play against them, which is, mate, why I'm so stoked to talk
2: to you because often we have in the Howie Games it's one story, but you've got really three stories because you played VFL football and then you went on and played cricket for your country and then, you know, you've had an amazing career in
0: horse racing. So to start at the
2: start, mate, you, you, did you grow up uh, in country Victoria?
0: No, <coughs> country New South Wales. Country New South Wales, right. Riverina boy, um, go right. in New South Wales. Is, is where I grew up uh, we ran a couple of farms from town so I, I grew up with in a in a grain beef background mm-hmm. if you like um, my dad was a was a builder as well and ran the farm so he, he was busy as buggery putting four kids through boarding school and all the things he did right uh, you only get to the age now where you're sending your kids to school and we, we sent um, our elders to boarding school uh, living up in the country and and uh, you think geez now I know what Mum and Dad went through. Put some oh, working because we're acne. spending this money as well. Oh, yeah. no, <laughs> no, suddenly... I want some return on my investment. Well, Mum and Dad got nil for theirs. <laughs> Academically, <laughs> I've got some for mine, <laughs> which I, I'll take as a bit of a bonus. But yeah, see, so, so see, sort of the shoes on the other foot, so to speak. But that's that's I grew up in a country town where you. Saturday morning you rode down and played on the Melthoid that had bubbles in it because it was 40 degrees in the shade And and, in Genoa, and that sort of, you know, when you drove and sort of started to get close to Heathcote and there were some hills, <clears throat> you got a real shock when you came out of Denny because there was right. no hills around there. It was flat, flat as you like. Jeez, it was hot. And footy in the winter? Footy in the winter and great, a, a great climate for footy. Cold, cold nights, beautiful days, great grounds. Um just because you had that you know, we had the river running, the Edwards River, Murray River, you know, sort of surrounding all that Golden Valley district and the Golden Valley River, of course, so water was a plenty in those days, the grounds were watered, and you just got beautiful afternoons. It never seemed to be much breeze around. So mm. it was a great, great footy climate and a great cricket climate for that matter. It was just bloody hot. But you know, bike down to the junior ground in the morning and there's bubbles in the Melthoid <laughs> and it was so hot. Then in the afternoon you just then got went straight on the bike again. When you got your fish and chips at the local cafe, <laughs> bottle of coke on the bike again. Down to hope some of the senior guys didn't lob. So you got a game in the yeah. seniors in the afternoon, and that's just what country life is about.
2: And obviously, you were a talented at both. Are you a better junior cricketer or a better junior footy player?
0: Um, I don't, I,
2: I don't know. I just loved it. Were you a star? Like, were you, let's, let's like, uh, don't, don't uh, hide yourself under a bushel. Were you like, oh, we're playing O'Donnell this week in footy or cricket? Or,
0: I, I, I don't recall really. Right. I just loved it. And so did all the kids loved it. Yeah. We, uh, we had four different footy teams, north, south, east, and west, you know, um, a real marketing breakthrough there that North and Lickman, South and <laughs> Western and Eastern and <laughs> It's a genius come up with that. Juniors <laughs> on a Sunday. <laughs> then we played in the Murray League on the Saturday in the fourths and the thirds. It's just, you know, just brilliant. You know, mums and dads organised the league on the Sunday. It was full. Well, they, they've all disappeared now. There's none of it. Yeah. You know, they, hardly, they can hardly, well, they can't fill a fourths team and they struggle to fill a thirds team, you know, and that's sad. You know, it is. The, the sports such a, well, people underestimate, them. I think. Particular schools at time underestimate what sport does to kids and how you know, it's not just all about maths and English. I guess it's a fair bit about maths and English, depending on where your your life wants to go. But gee, people learn a lot. Doesn't matter what grade they play on a sporting ground. Yeah, and and that should never be underestimated. Especially, I reckon, in the country
2: where. You know, I, I can remember the first time playing with the men as in cricket. You know, you'd be playing D or C grade and you are 14 and, you know, the tea break would be these conversations about their girlfriends and you'd be sitting there going, oh, what's he talking about there? Or they'd be going to the pub and you had to sit, you know, in Ryan's Hotel in Tarragon for me and have a lemonade. Like, that, that's it's a wonderful way to grow up if, if you've got good role models in that sporting environment.
0: What, what about if they dropped the f coin? Oh, know. You know, and your father then sort of launched himself over you as if the world was about to end and you're not allowed to listen to They've that Bit if your mum was coming to pick you <laughs> oh, up and
2: that was going on. You know,
0: she really took all the lemons <laughs> and the sponges back off the table. Don't oh, swear in front of my how, young
2: son. How good was tea though? You know, <laughs> tea a long hot day, and then you know you would bring out the finger buns. And so, so when did you move from all that? And did you come down to Melbourne to go uh, to I school? Went to
0: boarding school, right? Um, uh, College in Kilmore, and. My, my two brothers went there. My sister also went to boarding school, not there, but we're a boarding family as such, and that's sort of what country families did in yeah. those days. It was really part of part of country life. Fun or tough to go to boarding school? How old were you when you left? Um, my brothers and sisters went from Form 1 to Form 6. Okay. I didn't go until Form 3. So you're a bit older. Yeah, I was a little bit so older. And 15, Mum and Dad gave, and gave me that three. choice, and I, I, so I spent a couple of years at the, the, the Denny High School, which was great. So I stayed home for a bit longer. I think mum and dad wanted me to stay home for a bit longer too, you know. You know um, boarding school is fantastic for kids. You become a little more worldly, definitely independent. Mm. You, know, you you learn to stick up for yourself. You have to. Um, and you, know, uh, you quickly go after that. You know, boarding school, form six, you don't go back home to New York when you're gone. Yeah. You know, you're you're – Into the you know, world. Yeah, everyone's out in the world. So – Poor mum and dad were left with no one, Um, uh, bar silly me, for a couple of years. And then off I went to to boarding school. But boarding school was fantastic. Great mates. I've still got mates from boarding school. I'm 54 now.
2: And so as you get a bit older, you get up through the the senior years and you're probably juggling cricket and footy, but you end up at St Kilda. How how does a bloke at Assumption end up at St Kilda in those days? This is pre-draft. So does someone come knocking on your door or what happened? My
0: dad played at St Kilda. so I went as a father-son to St Kilda's. Uh, by zone, I was I Geelong. Right. And by far, and I had the choice of going. Geelong were fantastic. Um, uh, Bill McMaster. Uh, the Geelong people were great. Uh, and they, they came up to Denny a few times, met mum and dad, and we sat down and chatted during school holidays. And, and um, Des Nesbitt from St Kilda and Ian Drake, Alan Killigrew came up from St Kilda <laughs> and, you know, came up to Denny and we chatted. And... In reality, um, Geelong were fantastic, but they never had a hope. Right. There was no other concerns bar passion in those days. No, nothing else was taken into account, nor it should have been, and nor should it in the so modern you, day either. Because your
2: old man was playing, you were all St Kilda supporters? we yeah, yeah, were all St Kilda right. supporters. So, so, so was, it
0: was always going to happen. I was only ever going to one, one spot, so and, and that was St
2: Kilda. What are your memories of walking in there? Is how old were you? I was 18. So, And who were the big-name St Kilda players? You walk into the first night <clears> of training.
0: Well... My, my my most um, eerie of memories yeah. was I was doing Form 6 at school and I went down to a Saturday game and it was St Kilda against Richmond at Moorabbin. Okay. And I walked into the rooms. Mike Patterson was coach of St Kilda. We had Rex Hunt. No, we didn't have Rex. I think Rex had just retired. Well, did we have Rex? No, he might have just retired, I think, Rex. Gary Sidebottom. I'll never forget Gary Sidebottom. Just before they went out and we had Puppy Saru, we had some tough hombres yeah. down there in those days. Yeah, I bet. And Gary Soberman, one of the things St kids used to do is you'd grab each other's hands to try and slap each other, you know, um, and Sidey grabbed Mickey Roberts. So it was Mickey Roberts, 15 stone versus Robbo, possibly 11. Yeah. You know, that that's with a couple of buckets of water on top <laughs> yeah, of him. Correct. And he just smashed the living daylights out of him. <laughs> Before they went, this, is, this is on the same team. Before they went out to play, come on, Robbo. I'm standing there in my school blazing, thinking, "Oh no, <laughs> this is not my go." And then you had blokes, you know, getting very running in, like deliberately running into lockers, shouldering lockers before they go out and grunting. Argh. You think, "Christ, oh my, we don't do that?" The Marish Brothers at Kilmore. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a bit of a icebreaker here next year. So that was that was one of the you know, just a. I thought, "Wow." And then Patterson got... Mike Patterson, he he left halfway through the year and Jezza took over. Alex Jezalenko? Yeah.
2: So he was your first senior coach? He was my first
0: coach at St Kilda was Jezza, yeah. And your
2: first game was against the Mighty Hawks?
0: Mighty Hawks, yep. The Mighty Hawks, we, um, we got well beaten. Right.
2: But picked up by Saru, who threads it across the top to O'Donnell... Long kick by Simon O'Donnell. The Rovers are back there. Pack him from the back.
0: No, I was at. I had a tagging role on Michael Tuck. Did you really? In my first game. And Michael got reported only once. How many games has Michael played? 427? 426, 420, maybe, yeah. Either either. Got other. reported once in his whole career.
2: Wasn't for whacking O'Donnell, was it?
0: Right, clenched fist to the face.
2: <laughs> did you deserve it?
0: My word, I did.
2: <laughs> Don't tell me you're on the lid. Oh in your first game oh, side. Oh, he should have hit
0: me 12 times, <laughs> not once. <laughs> oh, I was a cheeky little smart. Were you? You're allowed to say that yeah, Of course the you, can. So? you can. Well,
2: this is the great thing. I haven't brought myself to drop an F-bomb, but you can. <laughs>
0: okay. You can because it's our, pod, it's our <clears throat>
2: podcast, so you can <clears throat> do whatever you want.
0: Um, he should have belted me a lot more than once. Right. It was. Ter- I was terrible. And I'll never forget, um, <laughs> he... Alex is go in our team meeting on the Thursday night rep team and you had to go into the you're all having our soup and a roll. and we went into the uh into the little players room and he went through the roles people had to play and he announced my role. And like I what? I've been watching this bloke for years, He's yeah. A star, you know? And Jessica could see I was uncomfortable with it. And it was one of the most important things I ever learned in sport, the next minute, because he then called a halt to the meeting. He said, Simon, do you mind staying for a sec? I said, hey, let's go. So I stayed seated, and he came and sat next to me. He said, son, I will never ask you to do anything I don't think you're capable of. That's why Michael Tuck hit me, because he instilled I was 12 foot tall. Wow. I thought that one of the greatest players ever to play the game has just said, I can play. I'll show you I can play and I went out and I drove him completely mad and he should have. He should have stomped on me, kicked me, <laughs> um, belted me and done whatever he wanted to me and he should have got off as well because I was horrendous, uh, just drove him mad all day. But that's that was the confidence that Alex instilled in me but was a great lesson not only in sport but in life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and leadership, particularly in managing people, it was, it was the most brilliant act I'd ever experienced.
2: So you played somewhere in the region of 20 VFL games? How many yeah, games 20, did you play?
0: Bit Tw- more than that. A few more, but not many.
2: 24, 25, mm. something like that. Were you, were you good enough to make the grade as a VFL footballer? Again, let, let's be honest here.
0: Oh. Um, I, I would like to have thought so. Yep. Um, you know, I, I only gave myself two years at it. Yep. The, 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 the tough thing was that you know, while that was going on, there was pressure coming in the end from both sides. And something have to give. Both sides is in the cricket side.
2: Yeah. You know, so, so how you're, you're playing footy in the winter, you're I mean, training. Footy in the winter.
0: Um, yeah. You, know, you just loved it. Yeah. You know, and, and your body was young enough to do it. But we used to train, um, you know, Jezzle was a no pain, no gain man. <laughs> right. And we used to train from the Monday after the grand final, which, you know, let's say it was September 27. Mm. We were Monday to Friday every week. And every second Saturday was a fitness test. And we'd run from Half Moon Bay to the Black Rock Clock. Okay. And you'd you know, be up and down along the beach, climb up a rocky face, you know, and you had to do it in certain times. So that was our summer. I think we had, we might have had a week or 10 days off over Christmas, and back into it again. And I, w- I would follow that regime. And that was fine. So it meant I didn't get out to Western and cricket training at all. And I'd lob up every second week after doing a fitness test to and play. play district cricket. <laughs> so something had to give, I, I suppose, in the end, I was probably going okay at the cricket yep. and I was going okay at the footy. But, but he's, you know, both sides were saying, well, one side was saying, well, you know, if you trained a bit, you might even be go a little bit better at the cricket. Mm. And these guys are saying, well, if you weren't sort of, Half and half, you might be going a bit better at the footy. So, in the end, you know, something had to give. So, why did
2: you give footy the arse and go cricket? Why not the other way around? No idea. Or that's just what happened. Gut feel.
0: Um, just my guts told me to, and and I think I think when you really dig deep, yep. uh, That's one of the things in sport that's never changed. If if the passion. Forget the money, forget all the huh. pats on the back, the accolades, the, the profile, the whole thing that can happen with whatever sport you may choose, wherever you go in your life from a sporting perspective. If the passion ain't there, don't do it. And, and it, it came down to a, 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 a very small percentage of passion was what turned me one way but, or the other. Very, like tiny, minute, because you know, all your life, particularly country life, You've just been playing you for your footy. You don't you have, have to choose, do you? Toy.
2: You don't have to choose. So, just before we wind up the, the footy discussion, tell me, just give me a couple of names in, in that stage. So, what what years are this that you're playing for St Kilda? Uh,
0: 81, 82.
2: That was when footy was footy, um, for want of a better term. It was a yeah. tough game. You just give me a couple of the names of some of the blokes that you might have come across oh, in the early eighties playing I had footy had some against.
0: Great stories, um, you know. For, for such limited games, uh, I played a Malcolm Blight one day at. Blighty, Arden Street, yeah. I,
2: Confident operator.
0: Oh, <laughs> like, you know, what, what, what's the most uh, outmatched sporting contest you've ever watched? Right, it was like that one. Oh, what, what's he doing on him? <laughs> right. I was stupid. Uh, Ross Ditchburn from Carlton. Right. Um, he kicked five in eight minutes in the first quarter at Waverley on me. Uh, on me. <laughs> eight minutes. Eight minutes. He had five. He kicked 12 or 13 for the day. <laughs> he had five. Yeah, he started very confidently. I'm glad you went for cricket. And I'll you? never forget. <laughs> he started very confidently. <laughs> I'll never forget. Well, he had Buddy, Ketoggio, Marku, Sheldon, Ashman. He had these little blokes. And I kept thinking, jeez, you know, you're getting that lace out. <laughs> And, you know, it was Waverly, so they're grabbing it out of the middle and going crunch, and he's yep. going thump, and I'm looking like a goose. Five in eight so minutes. So he's kicked five in eight minutes. But one of them he kicked a point, <laughs> and um, I kicked it out. Oh, no, sorry. One of them came down, and I took a mark, Yeah. and I kicked it out, and I was quite a, I was miry. I was like, that's quite a nice drop, huh? <laughs> 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 Whoever marked it, you know – Peter Jones, whoever it was, marked to quickly Hamlet crashed crashman. I thought oh, shit. where's well, ditchman gone. <laughs> he only had four at that stage. And then he had the fifth. I was thirty metres from him. So he Geez, I've got all that. Straight long. back over your head. <laughs> so I ran up onto the mark, he kicked another one. <laughs> Nufa Roberts was the runner for St. Killed Out. He came and oh, it's the end of it. So um he said, I thought it'd be off. He said, took me to center forward. Mario bought a lotto. He's a lovely bloke. Mm. Had quite the long locks, right? And you know, to say I was annoyed was an understatement. You know, I was making a mockery. I shouldn't have even been out there. So I just grabbed Mario and punched him. (laughs) This big blue happened, and Mario belted the living suitcase out of me, but I needed to offload. Right, right. <laughs> so I offloaded on Mario. And he offloaded back on me with about four of his mates. They all came tearing in to offload on me as well. Jesus, lack of support of my men. <laughs> but probably after they'd seen five kicked on me in eight minutes, they thought, well, we well, can't help you no, out. <laughs> he mate. deserves stop that me. hiding.
2: Back to Simon O'Donnell in a second. Next week's episode of the Howie Games is the last of Series 2. But this time, there won't be a long gap between series like there was last time. Series 3 is already well under production. We've got some nice episodes in the can. It'll be out before Christmas. Next week's episode of the Howie Games features... I can't tell you. I want to tell you, but I can't tell you. But it's big, trust me. If we pull it off, which I'm confident we will, it'll be a magnificent way to end Series 2. Now... All righty, back to Simon. So uh, you, you, you transition, I guess, as cricket becomes a little bit more serious. You're playing out there at Essendon. You get picked for Victoria, and you did really well in your first game um, for Victoria mm-hmm. in the Shield. You, did you make a ton on yeah. debut? Yeah. So tell me about – we've talked about – and this is why it's great to chat with you because, as I said, you've had <laughs> some amazing sporting experiences across different sports, which is – well, it probably doesn't happen today apart from maybe Elise Perry that's a bit that's mm. about all we see, but so we, we talked about walking into the St Kilda Football Club. Talk I did one of these early episodes with Dean Jones and he explained to me how tough it was for him when he first walked into the Victorian setup. What was it like for you walking in to play your first game of shield cricket and who were some of the blokes in there?
0: Um, John Scholes was captain, he didn't even know what I looked like. Right. Either did Ray Bright. Ray Bright walked up to me and said at the airport said, Who are you? Right. <laughs> That was a good start.
2: Well, this is oh, this is working well. Dino told a story about Ray Bright telling him it was the worst fifty he'd ever seen a bloke play, <laughs> score for Victoria on debut, type of thing. So, similar type of setup, I think. She was tough
0: all day. Right. That Who are you? Holy dooly. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, cricket was. I was really fortunate to have had that grounding in professional sport, footy, and, mm. and footy was well ahead of cricket at that stage from a professional perspective. Okay, uh, to take it into cricket, and I, I was big on working on fitness and knowing that you'd done the the bulk of the work, and that I could look at you and say I'm fitting the new song but at the end of the day I'm going to wear you down and beat you. Uh, taking that into cricket, I, I I was really happy with that mental attitude. Yep. Um, so that helped, but you know, cricket was very much a game of. Uh, earning respect, and there was a pecking order. You know, when you went into rooms, uh, and really it was the same in any sport in those days, and when you went into dressing rooms, the older guys got settled first. You always waited until everyone got settled, then you went and grabbed your posse, and then, you know, once they, as guys started to move and retire, you grabbed your own posse. Mm. That's just the way it worked. Um, So that that was quite fun. And, And once you got in after a game or two, you know, the guys, although well, they were very receptive from the start, really. It, it, it was a – cricket was – I really loved the – I suppose the communication of it. You know, you, you'd sit – you're playing from 11 till 6. You got there at 9. Now, you didn't leave till 8 that night. You know, you were spending 13 hours with mm. each other and you had to find something to talk about, and something in common. And if you didn't have that, you had to – work on saying, Look, I've got to get on with Harry here, yep. whether I like him or not. Mm. And we've got a lot of time to spend together. We're playing for the same team. Let's find some common ground. So it was a real growing up process initially in cricket to, to expand your mind and not be – it's a very single-minded game, but to survive in it, you've got to be very open-minded, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And – that's something you've got to learn early doors in cricket because it, it, it it's a lonely game if you only do it for yourself.
2: Yeah, and especially you, you had the ability to, to bat and bowl, you know, for the batsman that comes out at number three in that 13-hour day and he's knocked over second ball and he's got another 12 hours to sit there and yeah. watch the rest of the day's play. So who was your first Shield game against?
0: I was 12th man against WA in, in Perth. Yep. But then my, my first Shield game I actually played in the eleven was against South Australia at the MCG. And who was South Australia's star? Uh, who was South Australia's star? Was Hooksy playing yeah, or Hooksie not? Yeah, was playing. Um, okay. John Verity, Right. Was, was, might have been captain. Kevin Wright was their wicket keeper. And Victoria's star at the they time. had a fantastic left-arm bowler called Ian Carmichael. Fantastic right? It was. Household name, Carmichael. Right. <laughs> of course, and, you know, the 100 was a very good one because of <laughs> it bowling attack. Harry. So you, you, <laughs> but it was the flattest deck. You could still be playing on it today. <laughs> right. And... This, we still wouldn't be at wickets. So I think, I reckon they batted first yeah. and made 500. Okay. You know, eight for 500. So It was always going to be a first the game. We batted next and got six for 600. Right. That's, it, it was a horrendous deck.
2: But you 100 could, on
0: debut is 100 on debut. Yeah, you couldn't get out on it. <laughs> six bucks did for you and eight blokes for them did. My mum has a photo at home and... Great helmets have come in and they've saved a lot of lives mm. and all those sorts of things. It's great. A white floppy hat. Right. I, the ball couldn't get above your knees. You just For taller guys, you just rocked on the front shoe. And, and away you went. Yeah. If you knew where your stumps were, it was very difficult to get out.
2: If reading a little bit about it over the last week or so, um, reading about your footy career and your pre- career, you hadn't played much cricket before you were being mentioned for higher honours. Pretty, pretty quickly, it seemed to me that, you know, you started playing Victoria and all of a sudden there was just Ashes Tours, there was talk of one day, so it seemed to come reasonably quickly for you, would that be yeah. fair to say? Due to but, performances, mind yeah, but, you. But,
0: but a lot of, we had a lot of retirements. Okay. You now there was a big turnover of players within sort of a a three-year window prior to, let's say, 85. Well, I guess 83 was Lily Marsh Chapel, wasn't Correct. it? That's you know, three it's a, pretty big ones. Yeah, you know, um, uh, the, the Tour of South Africa... You know, ah, the happened. Rebel Tour. Lots of things were going on. And so for, for a young guy, um, and I think in the end it was to the strength of Australian cricket, but for a number of years it was to the detriment of Australian cricket. So we got whooped. You know, for, for two or three years mm. there, we were, we were just getting smacked by everybody at home and away. But we were forced to play young guys and... And hang in there, and that's exactly what happened. And probably the first sniff of success we got was the World Cup in '87 in India. We went to it.
2: No one gave us a hope. And we'll get to that because that's one of still one of my favourite sporting moments. To, I'm looking forward to chatting to you about that because uh, I remember listening to it on the radio back uh, in Country Victoria. Yeah. Well, it they didn't even
0: there. take a TV because no. they got no uh, idea.
2: Yeah, it wasn't on the telly. So uh, you got selected to go to the '85 Ashes.
0: Yep. So, yep.
2: mate, how does that work? Is that, is that a phone call, Simon, you're off to England or...?
0: Um, yes, it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, Yeah, I've forgotten who rang me. I've who rang me. The, 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 the story that it probably has some humour to it mm. was when Ken Jacobs, who was the CEO of Cricket Victoria. Victoria, yep. Or the VCA in those days rang me to tell me I was in for my first Shield game. Right. And I told him to go forth and multiply. <laughs> we you thought he was cranking you. Well, we'd played the day before against St Kilda. Essendon had played St Kilda in a district game and, and they had a West Indian fast bowler. And Robert Shaw, who played footy for Essendon. Yep. Shaw and I had quite a partnership that day and we we you know, everything went pretty well and Rumour has it there was a state selector there. Now, I didn't know the state selectors as well, I didn't know if anyone was there or not. I know my mum and dad were there from Denny, and I know I was petrified of this West Indian bloke coming in trying to kill us. But we took <laughs> evasive action, Shuri and I, and Shuri was great at the gob, but I'll never think about any danger to stop stirring this bloke up. <laughs> He's actually bowling faster. <laughs> And he was a professional at running one down for a single. Sure, yeah. First yeah. ball, yeah. oh, I just ducked that. Oh yes. Oh good, I've got the next five. Have I? Oh, well, well,
2: he's been on the chat yeah, the whole he's time. Been on the church. and then he's
0: up the other, and then you know, and you'd watch him, and he's walking back with the bloke. <laughs> Hartley would be walking back with him. He'd be chirping. He'd think, mate, you're not even facing. Shut <laughs> up. So we got through that, and I got a phone call the next night. I was living in a, a, a flat in Hawthorne. I thought it was one of my mates taking the piss. I said, don't be a dickhead. Piss <laughs> off. Hang up, up, So, phone goes again. He said, Look, so I'm doing Hang up. It's Ken Jacobs from the Victorian Cricket Association. I said, oh, give us a spell. I said, Look, what's your number then, smartass? And he said, Oh, yeah, 6432100 <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It was. Right, I'll ring you back then. I think, Goose. You know, this, this will now be our. Hello, you've rung Dorothy. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 and well, Hello, Ken Jacobs. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, Ken. Sorry, Ken. I'd love to play for Victoria. Oh, that would be nice. I, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the trip to Perth. If you still have <laughs> me go on it. So, so you, that was that was that was the first one. The, the ashes, ashes was a. I hadn't been out of the country. I'd never travelled anywhere, and and suddenly, uh, you're going to England, and and they they weren't two-month tours then, they were, they were nearly six. Yeah. So you were away for a long time. Who
2: was captain of that? Alan Border. Alan Border, right.
0: Uh, Andrew Hilditch, Digger,
2: I think was vice-captain. Okay.
0: He played 13 in- innings, Digger, and 14 of them he got caught um, down at fine leg hooking.
2: <laughs> on, on the hook shot, <laughs> the happy hooker. And who were the big quicks in the team?
0: Our big quicks. Billy McDermott right. was his first tour. He got a lot of wickets over there. He got he good wickets, Jeff Lawson, yep. Tomo. It was Tomo's Tomo. last tour of England, but Tomo, Tomo wasn't. Tomo wasn't Tommo. Yeah, it was not sad. Tomo was a real competitor, but it just wasn't that almighty. Tommy ran into Alan Turner at the Adelaide Oval yep. and dislocated his show. He was sort that of That was it. Yeah, it wasn't the same, but he was still good enough to play a really good shield career that got him on the Ashes tour. Yep. Um, so it was great having Tomo around. Tomo one night in uh, in Leicester, mm-hmm. we used to stay at hotels called the, the the four post or okay. Posthouse Forte, they'll call Posthouse F O R T E Forte. Sounds fancy. It's, it's yeah, a bit French. A bit <laughs> French.
2: French, not that French in Leicester.
0: <laughs> a bit of French in Leicester, and Tomo's wife Cheryl was over, and um, they had a, a young young child, their first, and and Tomo thought it'd be good. Let's you know, we'll take Cheryl out for dinner, and one of the boys had said, "Look, you can ring down to reception, and they'll." You leave the phone off the hook and as long as you're eating in the restaurant here, they'll, they'll just listen and if the, the baby starts crying, they'll come and knock you on the shoulder and go upstairs. <laughs> the right. it wasn't a big, you know, it might have been a four-storey hotel.
2: Yep. Like the uh, first version of the baby monitor.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Tomo rang downstairs and said, oh, I, I want to talk to the operator. So the guy said, yeah, good as know. Yeah? Hello. So I'll get home, mate. Jeff Thompson, room 216. i uh, you're you you you're okay Listen to me kid? Me, and me missus are going down for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the place. I'm not listening to your kid, mate. He's on oh, hang on, hang on, mate. One of the boys said, you're listening to me kid. I'm just going downstairs to have dinner in the restaurant, just want a bit of peace and quiet for a couple of hours, you know. I'll leave the phone off the hook. He said, look, mate, don't know what you think you are, mate. I'm not listening to your kid. Why aren't you listening to your own kid? <laughs> so that... that Conversation went for a minute or two more and Tomo's suddenly steaming. He said, I'll fix this. So he's only cut the floors up and I'm coming out of the restaurant. I'll push the lift and boom, Tomo's burst out of the lift. So, What's going on to it? What's wrong? He said, ah, kill this prick. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so he locks us up the reception. <laughs> he says, says like, mate give us the bloke on the phone out there i smash his face in. I'll give him, yeah, what you think you're doing, mate. you listen to your own kid. I'll give I just want him to listen to my kid have dinner. I said, Mr. Tosser, what's, what's that? Like? I've been talking to the operator, mate. He's been taking the piss out of me. Get him out here. He said, Mr. Tossel, there's no operator here. I've been talking to the – oh – we put you through to the international operating system. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was talking to the Philippines. <laughs> I'm, to I'm not looking after your kid. You look <laughs> after your kid, mate.
2: <laughs> so, what are, you, what are your memories of that, uh, of that first test match? You, you, Dino explained to me that at point, the baggy green then wasn't what the baggy green is now. He explained how his came in the post and the Marmon stuck it on his head, so it probably didn't have – still had the tradition and history, but probably didn't have the, the build-up that probably Steve Waugh gave it, but you get your cap and all of a sudden you're Australian Test Cricketer. Yeah.
0: The memory I have of my first test, being very nervous, yeah. yes, but um, it was in Leeds. It was the first test of that Ashes Tour. Uh, I rang mum and dad from Leeds – So the test was starting on the Friday, and I'd got word on the Tuesday or the Wednesday I was playing. So I rang mum and dad in Denali Quinn, and I said, I'm going to play a test match, I think, this weekend, or this Friday. They said, all right, we're we're coming over. So mum and dad got in the old Ford Fairlane. They drove from Denny to Tullamarine. Good on them. Yeah, they got on a Qantas flight over to London. They then got on a train up to Leeds. They then went out to a bed and breakfast which they'd booked very hastily, put their bags in, got a cab into the Leeds ground and I'd left them a couple of tickets. And in those days, our are wooden seats and they they your tickets come with a cushion. As you come in the gate, they give you a cushion. Fantastic. And they got the cushion. And so they got there just after lunch on day one and when they got there, we were five for 80-odd. And then was six for 80 odd not long after. So they did set. They'd just put their backsides down. They'd been travelling for you know, in excess of 30 hours to get to watch their son play his first test match in Leeds. And I made a first ball duck. First ball? Yeah, first ball. Took centre to leg, and it's the last thing I remember, and I walked straight off. How'd you At get out? LBW Botham, no score, first ball. So I would travelled from the other side of the world proudest moment, see their son wear the baggy green, and he was there for no longer than probably 17 seconds. <laughs> right. Good on your son. Yeah, Put you on. up on the next flight yeah, home. Oh. Yeah. You got some wickets, though, didn't you? So they picked up their cushions and they returned them. <laughs> <laughs> they got in their cab and they went back to their bed and breakfast. They had some sleep. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, 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 yeah. were, you got some wicked or you must have because you played the next day. So uh, things yeah, must have think, yeah. gone up from there. I didn't realise that. I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't realise that. Gonna Thompson two for one forty-two, and I like Simon O'Donnell's work. Twenty-seven overs, eight maidens, one for seventy-seven. Yeah. I, I once innocently asked Graham Gooch, and we did the beach cricket years ago on Channel 10. I asked him on air, not knowing. They always say, if you don't know the answer to a question, me, don't ask. Mm. Me. I asked him, we were talking about first test. I said, How'd you go on your first test? And he got a bit snaky because he thought I was taking the piss because he got a pair Fair. in his first <laughs> test, which I didn't realise. How'd you go on your first test?
0: Mm. Um, well, I should have got a pair in the second innings. I think I made 20 or 25, somewhere in that region. Yep. I was on zero for 43 minutes.
2: The dashing Simon O'Donnell.
0: 43 minutes. There was blokes around me, Phil Edmonds and John Emery were bowling on this thing that ended up dusty. It looked like, I thought it was spinning like a top. <laughs> uh, <spinning> like <coughs> Wayne a top. Phillips seemed to be smashing them all over the joint and I couldn't lay bat on him. And oh, I'll never forget it. And there was blokes around me and yapping and carrying and I thought, oh, I'll pair them if I can't. And I was kicking and biting and scratching. Finally got an inside edge between my legs that went out past, um, I think, um, Edmonds was bowling. I reckon Embry was at sort of the leg side bat pad, and he sort of misfielded and it trickled out. <laughs> yes! Well, build it up the other end.
2: Were your mum and dad there at that point? Oh or? yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. They yeah so they oh,
0: stuck They got their money's worth. Of seconding. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it was forty-three minutes on zero. You know, dad. Dad went in at about ninety kilos. I think he left at about eighty-three.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and he's gone this time. Bertham has picked him up with the one that moves away, so that excellent partnership is broken. O'Donnell out for 24. You, um, a- Anyone that plays one test is obviously elite, and, you know, you played Test Cricket of your country um, wonderfully well, but I guess in, in some ways, rightfully or wrongly, you're known for your one-day performances. O'Donnell oh,
1: no, smashing his second
2: six of the innings. Oh, he's gone for it again shot that one right off the meat
1: of the bat. One bounce into the screen. Magnificent innings from Simon O'Donnell. You go a long way to see a better innings than we saw here at the MCG
2: today. You mentioned the World Cup, which um, I can still remember now, being a, cream, uh, a keen cricket follower. That it was, yeah, this Australian team. You know, the old they're the worst to leave our shores. They're going to go there. They're <laughs> going to get smacked. They'd, they'd never won a World Cup. The West Indies, had, they were the kings of the World Cup. India had won one, but mate. Um, on a more serious, serious note, you you weren't feeling the best before the tour. I I thought you got crook on the tour, but doing a bit of reading, you
0: might have been crook before you went to India for
2: that World Cup um, tour.
0: I was crook. Yeah, I was crook before I went. Uh, to the extent I had some, I had a lump on my ribs and it was, it was getting sore and sore. Um, and I went and saw you know the physio, and he said, "Oh, we better investigate that a bit further." And I went and up to Canberra (coughs) um, and they took an x-ray of it and it actually, it wasn't there. The rib wasn't there. No rib? No. The lump was there and Ah. it felt like the rib was there but there there was actually a rib. And they said, we better investigate this further." I said, look, boys, it's the end of the investigation because I said, we're four days away from flying to India. I said, no further investigating, you know, give us some, give us a shot for the pain and again. I was no martyr. It was completely, my motivation was completely selfish. To go and so play. we we'll find out this in 12 weeks' time, pal.
1: right,
0: doc, because I'm I'm out of here. Um, so just give us something for the pain, will you? Which he did. I, whatever he gave me, <coughs> I actually woke up in a motel room in Canberra the next morning. He wanted to check me before I flew home the next day, and the lump had gone down. He said, "Oh, that's a good sign, yeah, uh, beauty." So I sort of thumbs up, yeah, Ripper. Yep. Well, about two or three days into India, you know, the big one came back and there was a couple of a couple of cousins with it. and I thought, Oh, geez, that's not good. Right. Because um, he he hit me with some pretty heavy stuff. So that, that was the story. But again, you know, um, I reiterate, I was no martyr. I was doing what I, I was yep. wanted to do and what was a childhood dream of, one, playing for my country, two, were part of a World Cup, and three, you know, when you're in that team environment – yeah, you know, unless you can't walk or talk, you, you just soldier on. Um, no heroism in it at all. Um, I was just doing my best to play my part.
2: So we'll, we'll get to that. How was India in 1987 for a bloke from Deniliquin? Brilliant, was it? Oh, I loved it. I love that you loved it.
0: Oh, I loved it. Um, loved I love that people. because
2: there were so many negativities about touring India, and you know you got <laughs> to go, so Great you might as well enjoy it.
0: Great place. Great place. Uh, the, the first, so, we, when we arrived... As the worst team to ever leave Australia, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there wasn't one... There wasn't even a journo from the Herald Sun, the age. Not, not, not one. Right. Yeah, generally, uh, when you, they, they're with us on the in those days yeah. on the bus, the whole you know, the TV crew... So the country had written one, you off. No one, no one's, we, Why would we send anyone to watch that rabble? They're going to get smoked. They're going to be absolutely <laughs> smashed. So... But, the endearing memory of mine is when we were leaving Bombay Airport on the bus, and I got up the front of the bus. I was sat in the front seat. There was the driver, and I was in the front seat. And I was—we hardly got out of the airport grounds. I was asking him fifteen questions: you know, "What's that? Why? Why do you do that? You know? Why do people wear the thing on their head? Uh, yep. all, all this. There were rice paddies, you know, say five minutes out from the airport, and there was all these little black <laughs> heads all around the rice paddies. And I'm thinking, know, oh, it must be like we have witches hats. I'm thinking oh, it must be to scare the birds off from eating the rice. I'm, I'm not sure. Yep, but it wasn't. It was the Indians going to the toilet. Right. That was their in the sanitation. rice paddies. Right. In the right. rice paddies. So I, I would like, hey, say, know, sort of, that the scare the birds off, or whatever. He said, "Oh, sometimes dangerous scares the birds off." <laughs> <laughs> so he then explained it to me, right. and he said, "But Sanatate, this that's that's the toilet. That's where you go." And I thought, oh right, wow! So, you're so that was the first, probably legitimate experience of India to say, "This is different." Yeah, this is this is.
2: And then, when your first meal's rice, you're probably starting to question a little bit where it might have come well,
0: from. Well, well, you know, um, all, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I bet. I think yeah, you know, I think where I came from helped. Going to school helped. Lots of things helped. You, you, you were inquisitive. You wanted to know more. Why and yeah. how come? And can you make it better? And you know, um, it, it, so I, I loved India. I loved all the challenges of India. You know, we weren't allowed to eat anything. you couldn't peel. You know, if it, literally it didn't burn your finger when you put your finger in the rice, you didn't eat it. Okay. Um, we had a, a slogan to lose patience was to lose the battle. Yeah, you know, so guys, had, guys would had collapse at training just through heat exhaustion. You know, Chuck Reed, who had nothing nothing. Chuck. He didn't keel over.
2: Snapped in half. Yeah.
0: Like Chuck could just keel over. He'd be <laughs> halfway into his running and get the wobbles <laughs> Just hit the deck. So you'd know, go and get a bottle of water, pour it on his head, sit him under a palm tree, give him five minutes, go and kick him, get him up and go again. You know, there's no such thing as you know, heat stress or concussion tests or anything like that. Boys, we 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 you know unless unless it's sort of all over, you're 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 doing your job. And and it was a really invigorating period of time for all of us, huh. and, and I think r- catapulted our cricket into a, into another to another level. And then over a period of time to a level that, you know, we were the best in the world at, at five-day cricket and one-day cricket for a long time.
2: Well, that was always the platform, wasn't it? always said it was the 87 World Cup and then on to the 89 Ashes and, and continued mm. along. And you look at, you know, I guess you had Boone and Marsh at the top of the order. Valletta made a lot of runs. McDermott, you were in there. Steve Waugh was in there. Dino was in there. And I didn't get a run. Well, you seem to. I looked on Crick Info last night. How many times did you get run out in that World oh. Cup? <laughs> Every time I look, I SP got Agar- run. run out, run yeah. out, run out.
0: Couldn't get a run in a cheap pair of stockings. Right. you got wickets, eh? Oh, so. you got rings. 10,
2: 11, 12 wickets or something. Oh,
0: thank God I could bowl. You seem to get run out a fair bit. Oh, we played. Um, we were in Madras for like two weeks getting acclimatised. And, and, you know, I think they picked two teams. You know, They just ran outside and said, anyone want a game of cricket? Right. You know, and a heap of Indians just lobbed up. Play the Aussies. Yeah, let's come, in, come into the stadium here and play the Aussies. And... We played two games. One, I think, I, might, I don't know if I scored. And I, I reckon I hit six balls just straight up in the air and, you know, they landed in between guys. But again, not, that was trying to block them. Oh. You know, I, just, I couldn't come to grips with the pace or the bounce. I just couldn't. And... I kept saying, "Oh, you know, India's a place for short asses. And then everyone said, oh, Greg Chappell, you know, every six. And I go, oh, okay. Probably, probably it's not a place for short asses. Okay. Right. You know, yeah, Dillard Binsaka was six foot five for India. All oh, right,
2: all right, all right, right. Greg Chappell was Greg Chappell. Let's yeah. be honest,
0: though. I was no Greg Chappell. But uh, <laughs> so we, we – and then we, we played another game. I, I reckon I got 20, 18 or 20, and it was the worst 18 or 20 ever compiled by a person who believed they were a national cricketer. <laughs> It was horrendous, and and I repeat, I don't think these guys were any. They weren't sort of a, a legitimate formation of a club they or a team. Off the no, I reckon they just you know grabbed a dozen blokes to come in there and have a game against the Aussies. They would need a quick fifty over scrap, you know, to get them get themselves water. And and from that moment onwards, even in the nets, like it was embarrassing. You know, blokes needed a confidence lift. Going to Scoob's net, <laughs> <laughs> knocked me over four or five times, and that would be the end of it. So that that was. I, I couldn't. For the life of me, I didn't know. And the more I tried, the worse I got.
2: But but you stayed in the team, so you must have been doing something right. You're getting. We could. You come to the World Cup final um, against England at Eden Gardens. Yes. Yep. And
0: ninety thousand people.
2: Well, depending what you read, every report about that match starts with the crowd. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Was it?
0: What a cheer! Why it was probably really memorable for us not just the game was in the semifinals and this whole World Cup was structured for India to play Pakistan that was that was what the World Cup was about
2: and they met on separate sides of the semis didn't they
0: no we India played England in a semi yeah. in, in India yeah and Pakistan played Australia in a semi.
2: Yeah, so they the met war. on different sides. Yeah. So it was oh, it was on
0: target. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was on target. It was all World War Seven. That would to, have been. Yeah, It was all, all meant to happen. Yeah, yep. this is this is what's going to happen. And England beat India, and so then the whole of the nation of India, one turned on England, which well that's good anyway. Absolutely. And we were playing the day after, and two now they didn't want any Pakistan success, so we, they, were, the, we were the cream of the crop. They weren't yeah. going for Imran and the oh. boys by that stage. So then when we beat Pakistan, it was, how how fantastic is this? So we, of that 90, 100,000 people, 90% of them were going for Australia. And so that's what made it so memorable. We, we were just lauded and right. it was brilliant feeling.
2: The, the, mu- the much talked about obviously, incident there is um, Mike Gadding trying to reverse sweep Alan Border, mm. getting caught, getting out. Th- that's, the, that's the one that everyone outside the game talks about. Alan Border has decided to try and give himself at least one extra option by coming under bowl himself. He's made a mistake On this chair uh, When he's played So uh, what a breakthrough For Alan Inside the game Was there a moment That sticks in
0: your mind oh, From playing in a World Cup five Yeah we
1: definitely <laughs> That's yeah. Maybe out. And Simon O'Donnell Has got the wicket That all Australia wants With all of you Watching in down there I believe Western Australia And Southern Australia And by the sound of it The whole of Calcutta too I room. was
0: hoping You'd bring well, that out. Oh, Clump <laughs> Oh, plump. Dead <laughs> shit. What's Turning it? point of the match. Was it in-swinging uh, leg cutter or what was it? I don't know what it was. Right. He missed it by a long <laughs> way. Stupid Graham. <laughs> that was worse than his pair in his first <laughs> test.
2: Hey, hello to Graham. I know he likes the how he <laughs> Games.
0: You <laughs> want to be careful. <laughs> He's a good man, Gucci. Um... He wins. The thing we, we had with it, a number of the POMs where we just really worked hard on bowling straight to them was they, we used to call it, they used to always windscreen wipe. Yep. And it was because of the slowness of their pickets in India, you know, they'd be taking a ball from off something here behind square. Yep. So we just kept trying to irritate them into doing it and dead set. Gucci just gave it the massive windscreen wipe and out LB. And you know, I was over the and I thought, well, at least I've contributed something in this 12 weeks of hell. <laughs> that I haven't been able to make a run. I may as well have turfed my bats out. And you won a World Cup. They, um, they weren't to be used. We won a World Cup. It was, was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, great feeling, uh, enormous effort by that group of guys. They take
1: two listen to the...
0: Only recently, only a few months ago, we had a reunion. How was that? Oh, it was great fun. Great, great fun. And so it was thirty years ago. Thirty years ago, we had a thirty-year reunion, and uh, in Sydney, was um, well one of the one day in a Nassau the night before. We had a couple of nights. We had a dinner one night, and and, you know, old habits die hard. We we, there's a couple of photos circulating on Twitter and other social media outlets. Yep. of half a dozen blokes at 5:30 in the morning standing at the bar. I saw these photos. And uh, you know, they were the half a dozen blokes who <laughs> were standing at the bar in India 30 years ago. Throw a couple of names at That'd me. always with those G Marsh, right? Boone T Moody. <laughs> Uh, Babs in his official capacity oh, now as a uh, match referee. Right, he's got a bit more low key. He, he, he's he's abandoned the late <laughs> right. night boys. He's right. now Mr. <laughs> he's now Mr. Sensible.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I went to the Caribbean with Tom
0: Moody, and I, I soon learned that he's not a man to I walk know, away from the Tommy, bar. Errol caught our physio. Hooter. Oh, just a grade one. Just loved it when it got dark. Right, I loved it when it got dark. <laughs> and the probably the. All I consider him the captain of, of, of our late night team was uh, South Australian born and bred T B A May. Really? Oh Timothy May. Tim May. <laughs> ah, loves it when it gets dark. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Enormous. So, so mate, you you get home, you haven't told anyone about the, your your checkup they had before you went away. You haven't mentioned anyone in the
0: team? Uh, I didn't mention anyone in the team. The night before the night before the World Cup final, um, uh, sorry, the World Cup semi-final we won, yep. and we're going to the World Cup final. So we're flying back from Pakistan that night into into Delhi to get ready for World Cup final. And so I, I think it hit me. Um, so I wasn't overly, I wasn't my normal self at the celebration afterwards. And we could celebrate in those days. Yeah, you we know, went and had a few beers and in the team room, and I just wasn't myself. And I, and I went to bed early, and, and we got on a flight, you know, late that night to go home and. I had to go across to Delhi and ta-da. It sort of hit me that, you know, we're four or five days no matter what from getting home and I'm going to find out what this is. Um, So I um, knocked on Bob Simpson, the coach, and I didn't tell – I said, look, Bob, I don't think I'm well. But I said, I just want you to know that. That's why I haven't probably been myself for the last couple of days. Yeah. But – I'm fine for tomorrow. Right. Nothing will stop what I need to do tomorrow. There, there is, it, it is of no effect. But I think I've got a health issue. We'll deal with that when I get home. Tomorrow, it, it, it won't even enter my mind. And and that, that was all I – I just thought I needed someone mm. just for my own sanity because blokes were looking at me thinking, what's Scoob up to? Yeah. Like you, scoob's usually singing a song and – Having a beer and yep. life of the party, um, to an extent, and suddenly he's not. You know what's what's going on. So I got fined for my behaviour at the after party in Pakistan.
2: Oh, for not getting on the
0: yeah for, celebration. You know, you know, scared for being a pain in the ass. <laughs> you know, scared for moping over in the corner. Right. And they you know, I said, oh, mate, you're gonna, and I said, I you to – and I think I actually said, oh, you only get run out so many times. Right. No, right. no, I think that so might you, have been you, the fifth time run out or whatever. So I used that as the, the decoy. Yep. But then I thought, oh, look, I just need to need to smooth that over with someone just yeah. so they know I'm I'm still part of the journey here and not...
2: So well. so you get home as a World Cup winner, do you go straight to a doctor? Like
0: you don't mess around at this point? Yeah, moment, no, I went you? from the airport to the hospital. Did you really? Yeah. And then what'd they say? Uh, they said I've got um, uh, uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Which is... Cancer, right? Yeah, <laughs> didn't ask many questions. Yeah, I bet. Um, Do you
2: remember them telling you that? Oh yeah, yeah I remember. It. Did you right. know in yourself that it was something oh, yeah. like that? Yeah, right. Well,
0: probably when I look back, um, when I had the injections in Canberra, and not only did the original lump come back, but he had a couple of mates with him. I thought, geez, when you know they hit me with some pretty heavy duty gear, mm. and that heavy duty gear is only operated for four or five days and then boom it's you know it's out of the system and this has just gone bang and said right i'm i'm back so i thought "Oh, that's that's not a good sign and it got more and more painful again not not out of a management range but i could feel it getting more and more painful and awkward as time went on i thought well this is just not normal for a twenty, three or four year old bloke this is not it's not normal so how do you tell your parents that news i had to ring them up and tell them did you but I, I hadn't told them anything. You know, I, I went to the hospital. From memory, I hadn't, t- still hadn't told mum and dad at this stage. So it was out of the blue for them. Yeah. So I organised it with Ronnie Steiner at Cricket Australia. Can I go from? I need this attended to. And I, I probably bought Hooter. you were know, all caught into the yep. picture at that stage. So man, I need something done here. Look at this, and you know, it was the whole thing. Like going to have a shower, you had to keep your arm down over your lumps, and again, just. Just so it didn't How big a lumps we talking? Oh, half a golf ball. Right. So, so if a bloke's were in the shower, they'd be thinking. Oh yeah, so I would always keep my arm, you know. Right. Yeah, put my head so my arm was yeah covering my, my rib cut. Gee whiz. So it was just it was you know, It's just but again, I I I say with with um, complete honesty, I, I'm no martyr, I'm no different no. to anyone else. I just did what I had to do. Through, because I was I, I was part of a, a a chain that was trying to achieve something. I didn't want you know, it wasn't life threatening. I didn't think at that stage. I just needed to and was do it do my do my part? Was it
2: life threatening as it turned oh, out?
0: it Would have been you know, well, you know, if if you don't, you know, um, how do I answer that? Course, you know, yes, cancer can be life threatening. Yep, um, but you know, the the one thing you you. Um, you learn, or I learnt, um, you know, the power of what's in between your ears is, is extraordinary. Now, as long as you're realistic about it, you know, if you're a if you're a sprinter and you you run 12 seconds, well, you're not going to run nine seconds in mm. three months' time. Mm-hmm. But you might run 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. But as long as you know, you just like pigeonhole. And just do one little pigeonhole at a time, just one little hurdle at a time. You know, people can achieve. Where people get in trouble is, is they want the big picture straight away, and it just doesn't happen that way. And anything you do in life, you don't, you don't just, you don't just ascend to the big picture. You, you've got to work to get to the big picture, and that's why it is a big picture because you've worked hard to get there, and you're really, you, you're single-minded in in getting to where you want to go, but. You have to do that in a realistic manner. And while while you keep whatever emotional challenges you're facing realistic, you, it just makes them um, a little more achievable in in getting to where you want to go. And and you know, probably I was lucky I'd had a, a footy and cricket sporting background. I'd just been to India to play a World Cup. I think in retrospect, they all played their part. Yeah. You know, I thought, you, know, you reckon I'm having a bad time. What about the millions of people I've just seen in India? You know, so, some of the kids have their limbs chopped off as when they're born. So their family go and beg and, mm. uh, to supply food. Like, well, I'm not going too bad. I'm in a hospital here with really under really good care. You know? So, so reality is a really important motivator for people to achieve their aims. Um, and, and that, you know... That reality, you know, is such an important factor, and and the other factor that goes hand in hand with that is trust. You know, you, you have to have implicit, just absolute trust of the people you're working with. In 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 this case, uh, my personal experience with cancer was my doctors, um, uh, was was the um, chemo nurses. Uh, were the people that did the CAT scans. You, know, you, you had to have a relationship with them and trust what they were doing was was going to help you get to your ultimate goal, which was health and playing your sport again down the track. So you, you worked with them. You, 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 were, you, you did what you were told to the best you could and, mm. and, and you asked the right questions and hopefully, you know, that relationship was built, and and it made the journey just that little bit easier. So it was one problem that wasn't as big as it could have been if you didn't have that trust. And you were looking sideways, thinking, well, you know, is this right or wrong? You know, should I get a second opinion hmm. here?" Trust was a very important part of it.
2: You've already been really generous with your time, and we haven't even got to the third part of your story yet. I just want to ask you one more thing about cricket. Um, you went on to become, you know, you were the bloke at six for one hundred and fifty needing. 60 off the last 10 overs And Richie used to say If it got above The magical 6 mark It was going to be difficult T20 crickets come in now So you, you were the man That had hit the long ball And the straight ball And you won International cricketer Of the year In I think it was 1991 What'd you win Did you win one of those cars Or not Did you win a car You know, yeah, cause you, car. the West Indies Used to win it every year And someone would be What'd you win
0: When a um, Land Rover Discovery
2: Right Yep. A land rover. And did yep. you did you ever, you would have got presented by Tony Gregg at certain times during your career the golden goblets for the. Yes, uh, you yeah, the the got a couple of those. <laughs> oh, at love home, the, golden, the golden goblets. You still got the golden oh, yeah, goblets? Yeah, oh,
0: yeah, my word. Uh, yeah, I'm not 100% sure they are. <laughs> right, but i the golden goblets. I know, yeah, those. <laughs> you'd, come with that platter, you'd be hanging on to yeah. them as Tony was interviewing. <laughs> very light, this? these gold goblets. There might be a lot of gold
2: in the goblets. <laughs> you were also <laughs> always up there in the one that Gus Logie always used to win, which was the uh, Kit Kat strike rate. You always very did well in the strike rate. <laughs> Gus Logie <laughs> used to take that out. But the, the memories of me at that time was the West Indies, and even if we had them six for Dujon, I'd come in and somehow oh, pull them out of nowhere. Great, we? But was tell me about Viv. Before we get off cricket, just tell me about Viv Richards.
0: Um, I suppose with greatness comes um, a certain aura or personality. Mm. And, and Viv, I, I think it's fair to say it was arrogance. That's what made him so great. And Viv, I'll never forget Viv, he used to walk on the ground, he'd just make eye contact with everybody. He'd literally look at you as if, say, Got your covered mind. <laughs> and it was just a straight, you know, you'd be chewing that gum, you know, and, and, and really. Uh, and that was just Viv. That's what made him tick. That's why he was so great. And he loved to compete. You know, I love you know, all our guys. We love playing against the West Indies because yeah. they, the they, the they were the ultimate. They were the ultimate. They were a machine. You know, they, they invented great fielding. You know, picking up one-handed and on and whoosh. You know, all in the one stride. You know, Roger Harper, Viv Richards, you know, Gus Logie, you know, Bat Pad. Like some of the
2: catches yeah. he took. The big cat,
0: Clive Lloyd, in the covers. Oh. You know, Clive and Slip, you know, the the baller, it'd be lost. I mean, Cat would wrap his hands around it. (laughs) It it was the the bowlers, you know, Joel would come in and then get annoyed. Um, Joel Garner. Yeah, and you, you didn't. He didn't change any of his mannerisms, but it had come 20Ks quicker and straight at your scone, you know. <laughs> and and you, you just look at you and grunt. Yeah, they were fantastic. And then Malcolm Marshall, he sort of redefined everything. Poor Malcolm, unfortunately, no longer with us. Yeah. But Malcolm, we were always told to bowl and look through the window and, you know, you've got to be side on. And I, I, I think that's probably reasonable yep. coaching, reasonable coaching. Yep. Malcolm used to run it just... With his chest straight at you. Front on. And he's about on. five foot four. And he had this big barrel chest and, and he'd bowl for an arm. His arm would go up there and, you know, we need this to be visual, don't we? Yeah. No, yeah. we. I can but, picture it in my head. A, and he'd bowl these hooping out swingers and yeah. he was nowhere near side on. Yeah. can thinking, hang on. I've been trying to be side <laughs> that on can't be the last right. five years. <laughs> yeah. And this bloke's coming in and bowling at us, front chest on and bowling, hooping out swingers, 150. Where, where'd this come from? So – They were just brilliant to play against. You used to love driving to the ground to play against things. You you were sort of in awe. You you were competitive and, and, you know, get these bastards to say, come on. But you were sort of in awe as well. Mm. And sometimes, you know... You'd be running along thinking, oh, I think he's going to run me out. It wasn't, quick. get to the other end. It was, oh, I think he's going to run me out. Oh. Yeah, how good people. Yeah, well, <laughs> how good was that? <laughs> As you're walking back to the shed. Actually, oh, wow, see, him pick that up. <laughs> wasn't that unbelievable?
2: Last week's episode of the Howie Games featured a man who led Australia to one of her greatest ever sporting triumphs, winning the 1983 America's Cup. John Bertrand skippered the famous yacht with the even more famous wing keel, Australia 2, to that wonderful victory. But when it was all over and done, John initially struggled to adjust
1: back to so-called normal life. Probably about a year and a half after we came back, Rose and I, um, I was up on a farm in Wagga. Uh, with Rasa, and I was in one of the paddocks there, and I just, I couldn't talk. Uh, it's called depression now, but there was no word for it then. So it took me quite a while, a long time to uh, to move through that uh, world where I endeavored to find the next phase of, or the next chapter of my life. And the best advice I had was from a very good friend, um, a guy called David Howes, and he said, you, you know, John, the best thing you can do is walk and talk, see how other people are Making a living, how, and the, and the advice I give young people who, are, you know, the swimmers, for example, is it's really important to, endeavour to understand how other people go about their business to find out the next passion in their life, and that's what I did. So I talked to a lot of people before I started to, you know, get myself out of the, uh, uh, out of that environment.
2: That was John Bertrand last week on the Howie Games. Something we've talked about a couple of times in Series 2, a personal Howie Games podcast. They're not for broadcast. They're not for broadcast. But if you have someone close to you whose life story you want detailed in podcast form, shoot us an email at thehowiegames at hotmail.com. That's H-O-W-I-E, thehowiegames at hotmail.com. Let us know about the person. I will record a chat with them, just like a normal episode, all about their life. It is a great way to record someone's life. we have actually been doing quite a few of them for upcoming Christmas presents, major birthdays, Birthdays, etc. Okie dokie. Back to Simon. So much a part of the modern game for the bowler now is the slower ball. I said this was uh, the last question on cricket. I love the cricket. The slower ball. There was talk that it was Steve Waugh. There was talk that it was you. Uh, did someone teach you with the slower ball, or did you first come up with the slower ball?
1: He's got him with the slower ball. Amray um, was on the charge.
2: Uh, I would say Simon O'Donnell saw him coming. He changed the pace,
0: beautiful.
1: That is very heady bowling.
0: Beautiful to watch. Um, I used to live in Carnegie, right? Uh, just past Corfield, yep. if you like, just to the back of Corfield Racecourse, suburban Melbourne. That was my first house. I bought it for what have been forty-three thousand dollars, right? In a little avenue called McPherson Avenue, yeah. Uh, I was getting spanked. I couldn't move a cricket ball. I couldn't. I just couldn't move it. Everyone kept saying, you know, if you don't move it away from first-class players, they just look, you know, you're just fodder. Yep. So I got a mate of mine, and we went down to the Carnegie Nets near the, next to the Carnegie pool. Yep. And it used to be the St. Leo's used to play footy at the ground, yep. uh, footy ground there. And he couldn't bat. He was complete. He was like you in India in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. well, I know he, he was worse. He, he was Simon Davis plus fifty percent. <laughs> right. He was Sniffer plus fifty. Maybe to Glenn McGrath. As yeah, well. couldn't play. So I said, mate, just get in there, get yourself kitted up, and I had a bag of balls. I said, I've, I've got to learn to bowl a leg cutter. I know I can't swing it, but I've got to learn to to cut the ball. Yep. And we're at carpet nets at Carnegie. About. 30 balls in, you know. I'm holding the ball across the seam and I'm trying to rub my fingers down it and pitch it. Not one of them's worked. Jesus. As I bowled one of the balls, my forefinger came off as it was trying to, as I was rubbing down the seam. So only my big middle finger Mm. and my thumb was on the ball and I really ripped it and it floated out. He ducked. And it went in between his head and his chest over his knees and his thighs, hit the base and middle stump. And I said, mate, you can shove moving the ball away from anybody. If I can perfect that, I'm home. Wow. And that's how it happened. What so a great from that story. time, so the, a lot of guys bowled slow balls out, know, not then, you know, and who was first, I'm not sure, but. Most are uh, an off break or a leg break. Yep, and I could bowl this with exactly the same action, exactly the same arm speed, no change whatsoever in the grip of the ball or the way the ball sits in my hand. Not further back, not further forward, none of it. All as I did is, as I delivered it and ripped my wrist down, I took one finger off, and it just, for whatever reason, <laughs> think. God, he allowed me to do it. Whoever he is up there, it floated out. So that's how it happened. It, Carnegie Nets on a Wednesday afternoon, <laughs> me saying, mate, I'm a complete cheater's a bowler because I can't – all can't. I can do is move it in. Can't I can't move, move it, it out. It. I've got to move it out. These blokes are going to plaster me for the next 10 years. And that happened.
2: And now it's changed the game. Oh, I don't have to change the game. Oh, it has, mate. You watch any game of T20 cricket now – of balls are off speed deliveries. They are, if not more. The uh, the change up now is the normal speed delivery.
0: Yeah, I I think, yeah. I I mean, the the change in the game, I I think, and I I hear what you're saying, 2020 cricket's been the best thing to happen to one-day cricket. Yeah, absolutely. Since Kerry Packer started it. Yeah. we used to have a team meeting and you'd go and say, let's take Viv Richards, for example. So, Right, oh, righto, um, Viv, uh, mate, uh, outside off stump, short of a length. You know, he's not as good a cutter as he is a driver. Um, you know, if we stay just above stump height, six inches outside off, uh, we're probably going to minimise the damage and, you know, we can frustrate him into doing something silly. That, that's that, that's that how we bowl Viv, Viv Richards. Right? Right. <laughs> now, if you bowl, we'd go and try and sometimes bowl – Know, four balls there, and you'd still have to have a Yorker and something maybe a bit shorter just so he, you know, you kept him guessing a bit. So, Viv Richards, we were trying to stop him hitting us over square leg for six or driving us down the ground for four. Mm. That's what we were trying to stop. Now, if you bowl to a modern day 20 or modern day 50 over cricketer, AB De Villiers, he can probably hit you for six in four or five different areas mm. with. 10 different shots. Mm. So uh, um, these bowlers, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know how they do it, but it has to catch up at some stage. Someone has to find the new phenomenon in bowling to compete. Uh, and, and you know, I, I think it's going right back to simplicity, saying, hey, you know, still the hardest ball to hit, no matter how good the batsmen are, is, is the one on that front white line. So they can't get. Under it. You know, under it as much, even if they go back on their stumps, they still can't get up uh, uh, under it as much. So you know, that, that control factor, you know, bowlers have got to improve. But, you know, I feel for bowlers these days because we were we were bowling to batters that had probably two areas where they could score maximum runs. These guys now,
2: they have six or eight. Yeah. Maybe someone needs to head down to the Carnegie Nets and come up with something new. <laughs> no, now, it's, it's the spot. Mate, uh, you've been so good with your time at, uh, horse racing. We need to wind this up because I know you've got to go. Horse racing has become a massive part of your life. How many Melbourne Cup runners have you had, do you reckon? Do you know? Quite a few. Quite a few? Quite a few. Um, Yeah, a lot. There's one famous one.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes.
2: A horse called Bauer. Bart Cummings trained a horse called Viewed, the Cup's king. You've got a horse in the Melbourne Cup. What does it mean?
0: Do you ever see Viewed? you Ever seen him live? No. you ever see Bowell live? Once, I reckon. He was tiny. You could yeah. hardly serve the fence, Bow. Yeah. Viewed was the Westgate Bridge. Yeah, right. He was a monster.
2: What does what it have a, a horse in the Melbourne Cup, firstly? Oh, look.
0: It's the ultimate race to, to many. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot will probably the purest race is the Cox Plate here mm. in Australia. You know, the best horse in Australia wins the Cox Plate. The best horse in Australia isn't the Melbourne Cup winner generally. Uh, it's happened a few times. Maccabee Diva winning both, mm. you know, the Saintly. You know, there's a few that have been able to measure up to both the quality handicap and the weight for AIDS level. But uh, you know, it's just one of those iconic races. But you know, I don't know what it is, and I don't. I don't know if um, <clears throat> you know the good lords being nice to me or not. But. In 2008, when Viewed beat us by a pimple, I think it was two millimetres was the official margin. Two millimetres. Two millimetres. The time mechanism of the horses is in the saddlecloth, behind the saddle. Right. We were beaten in the 2008 Melbourne Cup on the photo, but we actually ran a quicker time than Viewed over the two miles. So you were coming that fast? No, we weren't coming that fast. It's just... He's a giant. Oh, a horse. And we're a midget. Right. So we had this he, – he was probably – he's probably a metre longer than us. Right. So our time is, you know, five thousandths of a second quicker than him. So your time – running the two miles. So we actually, on time, won the Melbourne Cup.
2: So your time across the line first, but yeah, their horse correct. won the, across correct. the line first. Yeah, so tell me about the last 200
0: metres of that. Oh,
2: look. You are in the grandstand, going yeah, bananas. in the grandstand.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was just thrilling. You know, I, I I didn't <laughs> fully understand what was happening when it was happening, and you know, when he started coming out of the pack, miles back. Yeah, like I thought, holy hell! Thought, wow. My dad always said to me, "He said, son, you know, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, the horse with the momentum wins." And everyone thought we had the momentum that day. Now, unfortunately watched the tape too many times, <laughs> but about three strides out. He opens his mouth and shows his, he was buggered our horse, and, and 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 so was viewed for that matter. They were both knackered, gone, no more to give, and we had the momentum up until probably five strides, and our little bloke just said, "I, I just can't. I'm going. I'm going to keep going, but I just haven't got that stretch in me that I've had to get to here." Uh, and he ground out his last three to five strides, but you literally see his mouth open as if to say, I got, "I got nothing more to give you." And you know the, the rest is history. But viewed had nothing more to give either. You know, like
2: um, how, how long's the period of the photo? How long?
0: Do you think you've won? Do you think- oh yeah, we, I, I thought we're well, there because I went on. I went on my dad's yep. momentum theory. I said, I oh, know we're right. And also seven went straight to us. Yeah. Uh, when, when I was we used yeah, to do the racing at nine was filming you you because you, 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 you could freeze that photo straight away within seconds boom you went to the winning horse before even the photo had come up so, so when they did that I thought Jesus we're home do you think you won the Melbourne Cup for? Oh, probably 15 or 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. Maybe 30 seconds, we thought. Is it the best feeling ever? Um, In horse racing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in horse racing. In horse racing. The the, the amazing thing about horse racing, not just for me, for anyone, I think, my view, is you're fully engaged in it. It's like you're in a game of footy or a tennis match or a cricket match. Mm. You're fully engrossed in it, um, physically and emotionally. You're, You're uptight, you're breathing heavy you you you're right into it you can't do anything about it No forty at least you can go and tackle <laughs> someone or put a shepherd on or cricket you can go and block out a couple of overs and save the game or maybe bowl a good ball and get a wicket there's nothing you can do about it zero you know if if the jockey's had a bad night and he's you know he's bloomed with his wife or mm. his kids have been crying all night and whatever and you're going into a 6 million dollar race yeah you know, stiff champ. might still be engaged, but he's not going to be thinking as clearly as he should. So all these factors that you have no control over whatsoever, but you're fully engaged in it. It's an amazing game.
1: It's a photo finish. Stand by for the number. Blake Shin gave him a big kick. Away he went. and Look, Blake's not sure. We're not sure. Bauer has got next photo. it's one of the richest stories we've ever seen
2: in the races history and the photo comes through and you've been beaten by as you said
0: it's still the greatest thrill I've ever had in racing you know, um, I've been lucky enough to be part of horses that have won derbies and oaks and um, you know Manigar won you know an Australian Cup and he won uh, BMW and he won a tankred uh, he was a great horse for us but no bigger thrill than that. No bigger thrill than that. And we ran second.
2: The Howie Games always finishes, so I'm, I have two young kids. Right. And the Howie Games listeners uh, know the pickle, my seven-year-old, and the little bloke whose name is Mac but changed his name of his own volition some time ago to the big penguin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know interesting. why. Yeah, and he sticks with it. <laughs> a and penguin. now he's at school and he still wants to be called the Penguin. Yeah. I Tell them a little bit about the guest, as frequent listeners know, and then one of them who is most interested in the subject comes up with a question. Right. Now, I must uh, preface this by saying the Big Penguin went to his first game at Big Bash last year, so that's why he's sort of gone with a question along these lines. So this is the Big pes- Penguin asking you a question. Hi,
0: Simon, Big Penguin here. My man KP can
2: play a reverse sweep. Can you? Um, no, Big Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> He's all about the reverse sweep, and I told you no, you played for it Australia. Wasn't,
0: wasn't wasn't in my repertoire, but <laughs> right. as we've spoken over the last period of time, you'll probably understand that I struggled, Big Penguin, to uh, just get on top of what you would call regulation stroke play without (laughs) inventing the reverse sweep. um, (laughs) Very good. Uh, this has been like man.
2: this has been like the ultimate sportsman's night for me. We've been through <laughs> playing VFL. We've been playing for Australia, nearly winning the Melbourne Cup. I can't thank you enough, mate. I, I know that um, hopefully I've got one podcast listener out there now and you. I'm going to put you on so you figure out how to download this, mate. Yeah. But it's a real treat from all those days, as I said, back in Sale, watching Aravinda hit you over square yeah. leg on the front knee to one of your quick
0: you balls. You could have said that was Dottie or <laughs> no, Merv or someone. You. you could have, couldn't you? You really, could have lightened that load on me a little bit. I, I really
2: yeah. appreciate it, mate. You've had an unbelievable life in sport, I guess, like you you must, you know, when you're 110 and you look back, you'll pinch yourself to think that you've had such an involvement at such a high level of so many sports, mate. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, you know, look, I, I am very lucky. My joy now, um, I, I've had my time and I look back on it really fondly. You know, I've got a 20-year-old, a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old and, and you know, to be able to go on weekends and watch them play their sport, and they, they love it. Um, doesn't mean they're going to be, you know, they'll get to whatever level that they're capable of, which is great. You know, they might be a doctor or lawyer, I don't care what they are. Mm. As long as they've got a smile on their face and they're enjoying things and um, they, you know, that that's that's where my life's at and I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And, and, you know, to all those kids out there that love their sport, please keep playing it. Um, um, please don't, you know, go off and, and think it doesn't contribute to your Whole holistic makeup in life, it contributes a massive amount. Matt, I can't appreciate and say how much I
2: appreciate your time. It was great fun having a chat with you. Thanks, Good to you, Harry. Cheers.
0: What a sporting life he's had, hey?
2: Good on Simon O'Donnell, and may you soon win the Melbourne Cup. I didn't want to make you listen to the promo of our soon-to-be-released new podcast called The Moment, if you've already heard it and have had enough of it in the last couple of episodes, so I thought I'd throw it in at the end now. It's an audio documentary series that is coming very soon to Podcast One. It details some epic stories in Aussie sport. I think it's going to be good. I hope it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Follow along at MarkHowD03 on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We've joined Instagram this week, and we'll send out the release dates. Here it is. Until next Thursday, peace and love. The seconds are ticking. I'm certainly thinking, along with 80,000, that, yeah, that something's going to happen. Just to get to this point
0: has taken everything you have. The reality is I could die. I could die in three days. I could die in three weeks. I
2: could die in a month. I'll never forget. I looked over my left shoulder and the flames were just roaring up my T-shirt and up my neck, so just panic, panic stations. Will you succeed or will you
1: fail? Yeah, I was... Probably on the phone to my mum saying that I wanted
0: to come home, like actually crying. It was uh, like I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do
1: actually. I, I just sat in my room. Will you be the hero or the villain? And I hit the ball and then I heard a loud bang. But it was the advertising boards of the side of the goal, so I missed the goal completely. Will it be glory? Yeah, it was so
0: wonderful that he actually achieved that through all that. Struggle Or will it be regret? Oh, um, it was, um, oof, that's probably going to hurt for a very, very long time It all comes down to one single
2: moment So I was just like, alright, this is it, let's let's go for it After everything has happened, can you still do it? Can you still get the footy?
1: Comes over, he shakes my hand and he goes, how you feeling? I'm nervous as hell He goes, you're going to win? This walk was, I enjoyed every step of it. It was, you're going to take Australia to the World Cup. The moment. Listener.